welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Right. Uh, this morning, the, the subject of the message I have this morning is power to prosper. I, I really believe that it is the will of God to prosper us, to bring us into prosperity. Now, it, it, is, it is interesting that... Um, even that statement is controversial in many quarters. Um, that, that God's will is to prosper us. And, you know, I, I understand that um, there is controversy around the prosperity gospel, etc. And I, I'm not talking about God giving airplanes to everyone, etc. I'm not talking about that. But it is undeniably scriptural that the heart of God is to prosper his people and to prosper his children. Mm-hmm. That God wants to bring you into a good place in, uh, in your life. God's heart towards you never changes. His, his heart towards you, his heart attitude towards you never changes. He does not fluctuate and he doesn't change and he doesn't have mood swings in the seasons of your life thinking, you know what, I, I want to prosper them. Now, I'm mad with them. I don't want to prosper them anymore. I'm sulking with them. Human beings are like that. But the Word of God tells us that our God never changes. He's not like us. So, I'm going to look at some scriptures and I'm going to look at how God dealt with Israel as a picture of the Father heart of God towards His children. So, turn with me in your Bible to Deuteronomy 8 and we're going to read Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 18. One of my... One of my absolute favorite passages of Scripture. Um, this, has been, this has been an ongoing conversation with Jesus that I've had for the last 30 years. Um, about 30 years ago, um, just as Debbie and I were getting married, the Lord gave us this passage of Scripture. And I, I still remember, um, actually it was about a week before we got married, and, um, no, actually it was a couple of months before we got, uh, got married and we were driving out of Cape Town um, as uh, students on our way to East London to prepare for our wedding. The Lord gave us this passage of Scripture and um, we, have st- we have been conversing over this passage of Scripture ever since. Um, the Lord has been speaking out of it. So, but I, it's okay. And even though the Lord gave me this passage of Scripture, I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> All right. You can have it too. All right. Okay. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 18. All right. I'm going to read this. A long passage of scripture so you can pray for me. Be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then fed you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. 
Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in His ways, revering Him, so that the Lord your, uh, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the, in the valleys and the hills, a, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and where you will lack nothing. Land where the rocks are iron and where you can dig <laughs> copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have, have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. It's the most, this is one of the most incredible passages of scripture because it speaks to the heart of God towards his people. Now you need to understand that, that if you read scripture correctly, when, when you see something in scripture, God's heart, God began with a man Abraham and he called that man out. But in the man Abraham, he was seeing a nation. He, 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 in, in Abraham, he called a nation. But in that nation, he said, in you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. So in other words, when the Lord was speaking to Abraham, he was looking through uh, Abraham, through Israel, to your family. Isn't that amazing? It says, I will bless all the families of the earth. So the Lord starts with Abraham, but his heart is for all families. So this is the passage of scripture that reveals God's intent and intentions towards your family. This is amazing. And so the first thing that I want you to see is that it's a prophetic picture for all of God's children. And it's his desire for all of his children. And the first thing it reveals is God's a good God. That is so important that we understand this because the revelation of the goodness of God is not universal. You can go around the world and you can encounter many different gods. You can go to India and you will encounter the god Kali, literally uh, called Kali the Destroyer, and she eats her children. Now, I'll be honest, on occasion I have threatened to eat my children. <laughs> but it's not normally taken seriously. Although, you know, when they were little, they would scream and uh, run away. I would catch them and make uh, do my best. 
But normally in that encounter, it was a manifestation not of my anger towards him, but of my goodness towards him as a dad. In fact, I think I remember eating mystery this morning. (laughs) And you know, but there's something in the heart of God that he wants to reveal himself to you as a good father. And his heart doesn't change towards you. He's a good dad. And he has a plan for you to bring you from where you are now into prosperity, into blessing. Just like, how many of you have ever looked at your children and said to yourself, sheesh, I really hope they struggle in life. (laughs) Man, I don't want them to be too prosperous. It's just not in our nature as parents to desire that uh, that our children struggle. Let's be honest, we, we want our children to go, Further and higher and have more than we ever had. Amen. And you'll see parents sacrifice for their children. Now God's got a heart to bring you. He wants to bring you into a good land. And God is the one, it says in verse 18, who gives you the ability to create wealth. Now you need to understand this because there's this idea that wealth is evil. That being prosperous is evil. Why would God do that to you then? I'm going to make you wealthy because it's evil. Does that make any sense? It doesn't make sense, does it? Now listen, you know, wealth is relative. Alright? Again, I'm, I'm not saying that it's aeroplanes for everyone. But God does want to prosper you. Amen? God is leading us, God is leading his people into a good land and he reveals through this passage that it's not our wisdom that, uh, that finds the way into that place. Amen? One of the most important things for us to know if we're going to access God's plans and purposes for us is the nature of our God. Because once you've understood the nature of our God, once you've understand what he's like, You've got faith in your heart. If you are not convinced of God's desire to bless you, you will not pray with faith for God's blessing. It'll be like, God, have I caught you on a good day? (laughs) Are you happy with me? If it's not too much trouble, never mind, never mind. (laughs) I'll be back in a moment. (laughs) But many Christians pray exactly like that. They're not convinced of God's desire to bless them. And yet, in his word, in the book of uh, in Jeremiah, chapter 9, verses 11 through 12. Sorry, the Bible makes me drunk. Whoa. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to prosper you. To give you hope in the future. That's such a good scripture. I just, I just love that. Uh, well, one of the, some of the things I love about that is, firstly, is that God has plans. That, that, isn't that good? God says, I know the plans I have for you. It's not like, you know, you come to the Lord and you say, Hey, Lord, I know you haven't got a plan for me, but I've been working a plan on my own. I wonder if you could just have a, if you have a look over my plan and see if you could possibly help me with my plan to prosper me. 
And God's like, oh, you know, I'll see if I can come, uh, uh, work out some time uh, in the next millennia or two to have you, help you with this plan. I'm awfully busy, you know. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. Wow. That's incredible. And this is the, the, the amazing thing is from before you were born, God began to dream about your life and, and your family. Because actually, you know, I think that sometimes, particularly in the Western world, we have overcompensated on, um, on not being collectivists. And we have become so individualistic that we don't understand that God actually sees us not just as individuals, but He sees us as families, communities, and nations. So actually, I believe that God has a plan, not just for you, but for your family. And so He's wanting to move your family into a place of prosperity and blessing. But that includes you. Amen? And so God's looking at you, and He's looking at your family, and He's wanting to move you to a place of greater prosperity and ease and blessing and freedom in nations. Isn't that cool? And so, I love the fact that he's got a plan, a plan for us. We see, uh, we see from the way he deals with Israel that he has plans to prepare and to prosper them. But, it's interesting that sometimes the way he prepares us for the prosperity he has for us is not intuitive. You would have thought that if Israel was going to come into a land filled with vines and pomegranates and mines, etc., that the way to prepare them was like, was like, you know, take them to vineyards, etc., etc., etc. But what he does is he takes them to the desert to prepare them for the promised land. And this is sometimes where we get tripped up because we find ourselves in a desert after receiving a promise that we're going to prosper and we're like, what went wrong? Did I take a wrong turn? Man, I was, you know, listen, I was going down the end one. I saw the sign that said prosperity. Did I blink and turn down and go desert road? What happened? Because, you see, God often prepares you for what He has for you in the desert because you can't learn the lessons that you need for the promised land except in the desert. That if you don't pass through the desert, you won't have the character and the understanding of the nature and character of God that will sustain you in the promised land. And so, the first thing is that they learnt in the desert. The first thing they learnt in the desert was this. He says, God says, I led you in the desert. Why? Because the only place of safety in all of life is in His presence. You see, for, for Israel, they knew, no matter whether, when they were in the desert, every day they would get up and they would follow the pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And they knew it, it, from, uh, you know, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, they knew, are we okay? I just need to watch for the presence. Follow the presence. Follow the presence. That became so ingrained in that ge- uh, generation that it wasn't even something that was supernatural in, in a sense for them. Do you hear what I'm saying? It was so normal. The presence of God was so normal. 
They would wake up in the morning and what, where are we going today? Just follow the cloud. Follow the pillar of fire. Just follow the Lord. That's what we do. And you know, it's the same thing for us. God wants that to be the foundation of our lives that we, we get up in the morning and say, well, where are we going? We're following the presence. I'm pursuing His presence. This is my heart. I want to be in His presence. It's not just, I don't need a road, I don't want a road map, I don't just want principles, I don't want just good ideas. I, I, I want to know where is He going because that's the place of safety. That's where I'm going. Amen? And so that's the first promise or that's the first principle that we learn in the presence. We remember how God led us. And you know the interesting thing is about following the presence. Jesus, and the Lord says in this passage, I led you in the days of these 40 years to humble you. Tell you what, following the presence can humble you. Because sometimes the presence goes left and the world goes right. And at that point, you look down and you see, what's going that way? Everyone else is going that way. That is heading towards the desert. That looks much nicer. And around about that time, maybe your best friend goes that way and says, Don't be an idiot! Much nicer this way! Everyone's going this way! Man, we, did, we took a census, we did a poll. This is the way to go! And you're looking and you're going, um, Jesus, can we talk about this? <laughs> Did you know? Did you know about this other road? Some option over here. <laughs> and you have to, at this point, choose. And it humbles you as you march off into the desert. Sometime for periods of time that are way longer than you thought. <laughs> okay, Lord, we'll give this twenty minutes. <laughs> I'm sure you'll change his mind soon. <laughs> 40 years later. <laughs> the pre- following God's presence will test your heart. God wants to reveal, not just to Him, but to you actually, what's in your heart. What's in your heart? How, how much do you want, uh, want the Lord? You know? And, and, and I, I just want to say, don't judge your life by the surroundings. Lord, it's so dry. I must have done something wrong. I can't. It, 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 it feels so hard, Lord. I must have done something wrong. What's wrong? The Lord said, No, no, no. You obeyed me. You followed me. I'm going to prosper you. Just wait. He's humbling. He's revealing what it, what's in your. I, I, I keep on, and because I've had this ongoing conversation with the Lord, I've gone through this with the Lord many times, where I've gone back to the Lord and I've said, you know Lord, this prosperity thing, I pictured it a little different. <laughs> I pictured it a little different. I, I, I expected more, and I expected more earlier than at, the, at the, uh, this point, you know. But the Lord comes, and I've had these moments where, and this has happened so many times, where suddenly the presence of the Lord will just come in such a manifest, a tangible way. I've had the Lord do this like, no, I don't know how many times, but quite a few times. And I've heard the Lord say, Nigel, what do you want? 
Just tell me what you want. It, it, it feels almost like that, you know, the genie of the lamp moment, okay? Where the Lord's presence is there and he's like, what do you want? And I know the Lord's saying, tell me anything. And in that moment when he's right there, when, he's so, when his presence is so tangible, my brain just forgets my lists that I've been preparing. And I'm like, Jesus, oh, I really just want you. I just really want more of you. I just really want more of your presence. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to carry more of you. You are what gives my life meaning and purpose. This is really what I want. More of this time. Please, give me that. And I hear the Spirit say, okay, cool. And then the next day I go, oh man, Jesus, there are one or two other things. But you know, I know the Lord is faithful. And those moments have shown me what's really in my heart. The thing that really makes you happy. Honestly, I want to tell you, a new house, a new car, a bigger check, um, those things are temporary. But Christ in you is the thing that will make your life meaningful. And you know the amazing thing is? Is he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, when he comes, he comes with blessing too. Amen? And in the process of pursuing and following God's presence, do you know what happens? Hunger grows. God, he says, I led you in the desert, causing you to hunger. God literally took them into the desert and he caused them to hunger. Now think about that for a moment. He allowed them to experience hunger. And then, when they grew hungry, he fed them with something that they'd never tasted before. No one had ever tasted before. You see, that's what happens with spiritual hunger too. Spiritual hunger is such a gift from God. One of the, one of the, one of the signs of, of um, sickness in the body is when you, just know, you lose your appetite. And one of, the, one of the most sad things that can happen in our spiritual lives is when we've got no spiritual appetite anymore. We're not hungry for God anymore. But you know, every now and then, the presence of God will just come on your life. He'll take you into a den. And all of a sudden, something awakens in you. And you find yourself, you, you think you're in a bad place because you, you, you're awakened to like, Ah! Man! Lord, where are you? Lord, I want you. Where are you? And there's this hunger inside of us. I want to tell you, you are being blessed by God when you feel that. It's the blessing of the Lord. Because the Lord's caused you to hunger. And when He causes you to hunger, one of the reasons you're hungry is so that He can then feed you. With something you've never known. You didn't even know it existed. I mean, the word manna actually literally means, what is it? <laughs> it's like, saying, what is it? Whoa! The presence does that to you. God will awaken in you your true desires and your true hunger so that He can feed you with what you truly need. Hunger for God humbles you. It tests you. And then He gives you the unfamiliar. Hmm. <laughs> Behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. You're like, woo! Everyone loves uh, prophesying that. 
Behold, the Lord is doing a new thing. The Lord does something new. Everyone's like, ah, I've never seen that before. What is that? Ah! I've never seen that before. That can't be God. No, he told you, I'm doing a new thing. He even warned you so you wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> then God does something new. God, that's a bit new, isn't it? Uh, getting into these innovations, Jesus. Well, that's kind of his nature. Then he teaches us this. Man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. Genesis 1 reveals that. The power of his word. You need God's word. You need God speaking into your life. You need to be reading God's word. God's word is the thing that will keep your life, and, uh, keep you alive and su- uh, sustain you. You need God's word telling you who you are. Because the enemy and the world and the world system are just battering you all the time with messages about who you are. The enemy will just pound your head, pound your heart, pound your soul. And it's his word that will remind you of his plans for you, his love for you, his value uh, for you. It's that thing that keeps you alive. Amen? And the amazing thing is, is manna, literally God made it appear. It's, it's the principle is, you live from the unseen realm. You live from the unseen realm. Well, many of us, we try and live from the seen realm. But in the desert, they had no option. They could only live from the unseen realm. It's, it's, not, it's not like there was an abundance of food around them. So they learned the principle that I live from the unseen realm so that when they got into the promised land where there was abundance all around them, they would remember this is actually just gravy. The real source of blessing is the unseen realm, His Word and His presence in my life. Amen? And as a result of them living from the unseen realm, Israel stepped into this amazing, almost timeless zone. They were marching day after day and their shoes didn't wear out. So it was like their shoes, there was no passage of time. Their clothes didn't uh, uh, wear out. Their clothes didn't age. Because they had no shops or anything there. Jesus could literally uh, make it that it was like everything was renewed. Day by day, day by day, day by day. And they lived in eternity. They lived from eternity into the uh, temporal. They had no sickness amongst them for 40 years. Imagine that. Their, their feet did not swell, no sickness, their clothes did, uh, uh, didn't uh, wear out. Some people, uh, and some people Joshua, Caleb, um, and Moses, they didn't even age. Their eyes didn't go dim, they, they, they didn't even age. So that when Joshua and Caleb got to the border of the promised land, for, after 40 years, they were just as strong as they'd been 40 years previously. In fact, so much so, that they, they were the guys... Um, who were like, hey, can we lead the troops into the, uh, into the hills? Ah! And, we, and, 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 and the, the, the young guys were like, hey, calm down, Grandpa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I see a bit of that on you, eh? Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I tell you what. This is what God can do for us if we will live from the presence. And why? Why did God do this? Because God has a good plan for your life. In every principle that we see applied to these, God was looking at your life. So, so if some of you said, Jesus, you know, I've just been through a hard time. 
I want to tell you, God has a plan to prosper God has a plan uh, to prosper you. His presence is going to be with you. And when everything else has been uh, stripped away around you, find the presence. Follow the cloud. Find the fire. God has a plan to prosper you. If things seem particularly dry right now, I want to tell you, God has a plan to prosper you. God has a plan to prosper you. And your family. He's looking beyond you into your, into your generations. This is the most amazing thing. You know what God's dreaming about? For some of you, this will blow your mind. Your grandchildren. For others, I will probably need to say your great-great-grandchildren. Because God, God's already dreaming for generations that haven't yet been born. And His plan is to prosper God even has a plan for nations. See, there's, there's the current negativity that's fallen like a pall over the world that everyone keeps on saying, you know, it's all coming to an end and, you know, and, and you know, God's losing the plot. No, I want to tell you, the world is going to go on. Even after COVID and Russia and the economy, etc. Because these things have happened all the way through history and there are generations to come and God's going to bring them into greater levels of freedom and prosperity and blessing. Because God is a good God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in our day. I thank you, Lord God, that you have a plan to prosper us. You have a plan for good and not for evil. You're bringing good into our lives, good into our families, and good into the world. No matter what the enemy is doing, we know, Lord God, that your plan will ultimately triumph in our life, in our families, and in nations. That you are a good God. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break off despair. I break off hopelessness. I break off discouragement. I break off depression off of every person here and every family and I release hope I release faith I call each person into a deeper understanding and manifestation of the presence give us eyes to see the cloud Lord in the night give us eyes to see the fire that we can follow you into the fullness of the good plan that you have for each of us and our families. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.